I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello pod people and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the show where two movies with something in common go head to head to figure out which one did it best. On this week's epic journey, Liam Neeson hunts for baddies while flying non-stop over the Atlantic Ocean, which is why it's called non-stop, though it took me two watches to realise that, which might make me an idiot. I hate flying. The lines, the crowds, the delays. I always kind of liked it. Six hours, one seat, nobody can get to you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard our non-stop service from New York to London. You fly much? All the time, actually. Someone on this flight is threatening to kill someone every 20 minutes unless $150 million is transferred to this account number. We're midway across the Atlantic. How do you kill someone in a crowded plane and get away with it? Then Liam Neeson hunts for baddies during his train commute home, which is why it's called The Commuter, which I did realise because it's obvious. It's my first time on a commuter train. What about you? Every day, last ten years. Ten years? You must know everyone on this train. I'm sorry, have we met? No, I'm Joanna. Michael. I study human behaviour. My job is to answer one basic question. What's that? What kind of person are you? Let's do an experiment. What if I asked you to do something that could profoundly affect an individual on this train? I don't understand. Someone on this train does not belong. All you have to do is find them. So who makes it home in one piece and who burns up on re-entry? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! 
Hello, Clash Bodders. I'm Chris Tilly. I'm Vicky Crompton. And sadly, there's no Alex this week, so it's just the pair of us, which is worrying as I have less notes than usual. How about you, Vicky? Same as usual, which is none. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this just seems pretty straightforward this week. We'll see, won't we? We will. We yeah. will. I'll tell you what, though, my connection section is awesome. Good. So just not to go early. When you get there, I won't let you down. Ooh, you haven't got long to wait. <laughs> um, but first, uh, the clues. Um, Vicky. Yeah. You did maybe your best clue ever oh, last week. Oh, thank you. I was, I was waiting for the praise. It was good, wasn't it? Yes. So what is, was the clue? Is is this seat taken? Mm. Uh, but if you wrote it down, which I don't know if you did, on the Twitter or whatnot, taken with a capital T. Mm. Is this seat, public transport, taken? Liam Neeson on public transport. It's almost cryptic. I'm chuffed to bits. <laughs> it's awesome. And then we forgot to do one in the pub, so... I just ran out of ideas, so I cropped out the words planes and trains from the poster for future Clash of the Titles movie, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Well, that'll do, won't it? Yeah, it was in the right order, so that's fine. <laughs> um, and the correct answers were incoming from the likes of Andrew Logan, Frank B, Kev and Peter Mahoney. But number one with a bullet was Richard Cartwright. He got it from your clue before I posted the Twitter clue. Amazing. Amazing. Um, but I'm afraid, Richard, you'll have to ask Alex what your prize is, as I couldn't think of a funny one. And he keeps the treasure chest of prizes. Exactly. He won't so, let us touch it. No. <laughs> so, Vicky, as yeah. requested, the yeah. connection section. Are you ready? Do you yes. want me to just do all of them? I Fine. bet you've got loads, but are you ready? Yes. Liam Neeson likes a drink. Liam Neeson, your life is a mess. Did you used to be a cop? A mystery woman wants to sit next to you on public transport. Liam Neeson will fight anyone, anytime. Random security checks that aren't security checks. Dead FBI agent. Liam Neeson, this is not your fault, but everyone thinks it is. A rousing speech to pissed off passengers. Tie up the stories for supporting characters with a not earned and improbable romance. Your enemy, then your friend is a New York cop. Your friend, then your enemy is a New York cop. And that's it. Very good. It's good, isn't it? Very good. He also moved here from Ireland. You could have added that in. I can't believe I missed it. Because most Liam Neeson action films don't bother to explain his accent, which is fine. No one cares. But both of these films take the time to tell you he used to live in Ireland. But the the power of the Neeson on me means (laughs) I got, oh, well, he can relax and really do something with this role now because he hasn't got a waste like (laughs) energy on a bad accent. Mm. I'm not saying that's necessarily what happens, that he inhabits the characters of... Oh, that's the other connection. Liam Neeson, you've got a boring straight white man name always. Yes, always I'm getting to that. Um, <laughs> um, does he do bad accents? Doesn't he just do his mid-Atlantic twang? He That's... does, and then it, but it'll sort of falter, won't it, or become more pronounced in times of stress and oh, anger. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Good shout. Uh, what else is there? He spends a lot of time talking to someone on a phone. Oh, yeah. Um, switching seats causes confusion, people getting sucked out. Uh, <laughs> I like writing that. It's not rude, but it sounds rude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pilot slash driver getting killed. And both of these movies use that storytelling device of um, stuff playing out on the news so characters can see what's happening. Yeah, okay. I always think it's a bit lazy, especially them getting up on the plane. I, I agree with you. I think in nonstop it's particularly good, though, because they're just so horrible about him. Like, yeah. it, it's not sanitised news. It's, it's in no way impartial. They're yeah. like, this guy's the IRA! <laughs> <laughs> it's wicked. <laughs> well, he was. He was Michael Collins. Yeah, that's true. So they're right. <laughs> um, all right. So on Monday, Vicky is commuting with Liam, meaning today I'm joining the big man on a flight. So let me take you on a literal journey. In nonstop, Liam Neeson plays Brian Mills. I mean, Bill Marks. <laughs> <laughs> a troubled former cop who boards a non-stop flight to London with a gun and a badge as he now works as an air marshal. 
But that isn't his only unwelcome baggage, as Bill is also carrying a lot of cigarettes, he's drinking a lot of booze, and he's grieving the death of both his daughter and his marriage, making Bill the perfect mark for a pair of domestic terrorists who want to save America by killing a plane full of Americans. (laughs) Their plan is complicated, convoluted, and requires them to predict everything that Bill will say and do. But none of that matters as the plot and the film only exists to get Liam Neeson to a place where he can dive backwards in slow motion, catch a gun in midair and squint while shooting bullets into a baddie's brain. <laughs> and on that front, non-stop hits its target. <laughs> so when did you first see this nonsense, Vicky? <laughs> I think we should... I think in the um, interest of transparency, I think we should be clear that you weren't mad about these choices. Oh, fair enough. No, I wasn't. I think I gave you one of my painted glares. Yeah, I thought you, you said no. <laughs> did I? Yeah, you did. You said like, no over my dead body. And, blah, 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 and blah. it shows what sway I hold. Yeah, this is the thing. And I did go through some mental gymnastics over it because it, it was Alex pushing for it initially and then I never want to be seen to be doing more he wants. But he kind of got me because I really like both these films mm-hmm. and I went to the cinema to see both of them and I did think for you I think I've written a reason somewhere about why you this is it here we go Chris Tilly you feel the remorse over the loss of the mid-budget action thriller with a cinema release with no underlying IP or huge stars <laughs> let's celebrate these fine specimens of dare I say it a dying art fair enough I think my thinking was we've done Taken <laughs> that's the ultimate that's the original and yep. then I you know I watched Taken 2 Taken 3 and then these films and it felt like the law of diminishing returns I would have that yeah. And I think I said to you afterwards, why haven't we done John Wick? Why are we doing the commuter before John Wick? But that said, it was actually really fun um, watching them back to back, drawing those parallels, realising it's the same director um, yeah. and just seeing the crossover. It was, I, I actually really enjoyed watching Did them. Did you read a lot? Because there's so many articles about um, Jaume Collette Sarah being like an auteur, but, but he is an auteur. But when you think of auteur, well, like today you think like Paul Thomas Anderson mm. and he, you you can't say he's not an author just because he does stuff that isn't maybe up there with the best work of Paul Thomas Anderson. He's got a thing that he does really well. I don't know. A, I don't know if I subscribe to author theory and B, I don't think I'd apply it to this man. <laughs> but I think he's a really good director. Yeah. I think he directs the shit out of both of these films. Yeah. Um, I think he's done a lot of much better films. <laughs> We're doing House of... Why have we done Orphan? Yeah, Orphan's a bloody masterpiece. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's like we're too scared. Like We'll do everything else he's ever done. <laughs> But we won't do Orphan, which is really good. <laughs> um, all right. I don't know when I whether I saw it in the cinema, at a press screening, or whether I watched it when it hit Sky. Um, and I couldn't remember anything. <laughs> it was quite interesting watching this and genuinely not knowing... Um, who the villain was, oh, great, even Jeopardy. though I had seen it. Well, this is the thing. So I went to the cinema to see it. Then I think I watched it again on DVD just because. And so this is easily, it's either my, definitely my second time. It could be the third time I watched it. No idea who did it. <laughs> and weirdly, I should, because I can remember the feeling I got the first time I realised who the killer was, because I once showed him around London, that actor. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. What? Did you Scoot, just, Scoot McNary just, on his first trip to London. Really? Yeah. Just Lovely man. Picking people up at the airport, were no, you? No. <laughs> But anyway, let's talk about the film. Um, With both these films, there's not a huge amount of background, but I will rush through this. Uh, The writers John Richardson and Chris Roach came up with this idea soon after 9-11. 
uh, when people were afraid of flying and also they said they were reading about there being a big push to recruit air marshals. Uh, they wanted to write something that could be done in a single environment. Uh, they were inspired by 1970s style uh, paranoid suspense thrillers that focused on characters rather than explosions. So they didn't want Die Hard on a plane with the hero crawling through air vents and onto wings. Um, they designed the script and the character to be more relatable mm. than that. Director Juan uh, Coletzera liked 1970s disaster movies and he said that aspect of it is what made him sign up. And he also is a big Hitchcock fan, who isn't? And he wanted to bring a bit of Hitchcock magic to uh, proceedings. Um, in that original script, the hero was written as a younger guy. Okay. So it wasn't written for uh, the big man. But then the fights would make sense, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we will get to that as well. Uh, but when uh, Colette Sarah and producer Joel Silver boarded the project, it morphed into a Nia, uh, Liam Neeson project, um, thanks to their ongoing relationship with the actor. Have you seen Unknown the first time they worked together? I don't think I have. Mm. Is it good? I know it made a shit ton of money. Um, it's all right. Is it this? But it's it's a bit more. Do like, you ever see Frantic, the Harrison Ford one? Yeah, it's one of those. Which it's got much more of a mystery. I mean, this is a who done it? Yep. Essentially, that's much more of a mystery, an identity theft mystery, right. that, and, and a conspiracy theory. Um, it's all right. Fine. It's all right. Um, please it's don't. An please don't pick it for next week. <laughs> um, oh, as I said, uh, Neeson was keen because of the who done it, who's doing it element, and because he wanted to work with the director again. And this is a quote. He said, "I really like working with him. We just clicked. He's very into detail, but always aware of pace and the overall arc. He's got the shape of the film in his head, and I think." Uh, that is what he does very well. Yeah. Um, it's shot on a set near Queens in New York. Okay. Um, they purpose built the plane for the needs of the script. Uh, they built that plane from scratch and watching the making of it, it looks very cool because the sides of the aircraft lift up like the doors on a DeLorean. On a DeLorean. Yeah. <laughs> I like that aspect. Uh, but the shooting sounded quite painful and miserable because it was like being on a two-month flight. Right. Uh, they were all sitting in the same seats for two months. Oh, no. They were all wearing the same clothes, sitting next to the same people. So actually, yeah, the extras and the actors all became quite good mates, yeah. but it was quite a miserable experience for okay. all of them. Great. That's your lot. Perfect. That's all I got. That's fine. There's so much to talk about in the film. I do think we should jog on. Is there? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I've split uh, the film up into three sections, boarding, takeoff and landing. Oh, it writes itself, Chris. So let's kick off with boarding. So Bill Marks, not Brian Mills, Bill Marks. I may call him Brian Mills <laughs> for the duration of episodes one and two. Forgive me. He's Liam Neeson. He's in a car outside an airport. He's drinking. Um, though he's not a very good alcoholic, as everyone in this movie seems to know he's an alcoholic. <laughs> so he's not hiding it particularly well. Which you think in his line of work yes. might be important. Yes, I'm, yep. I'm amazed that, every, that everyone that works on the plane knows. <laughs> and they're quite happy for him to sit there with a gun. I mean, the, tr the thing is, I, I don't think I've ever told you a story and I don't want to like get myself in trouble, but when I was a barmaid a million years ago... Um, in Covent Garden, there was a cohort of pilots that were used to drinking there. And it gave me the impression at a young age that pilots were perennially very hungover because mm. they were really, they were tying one on before. And then, I don't know if they were lying or if they were just trying to be like big men, but you're like, oh, are you working tomorrow? They'd be like, 100%, I'm flying to Australia. Mm. You'd be like, oh, really? Okay, maybe you shouldn't have that third <laughs> bottle of horrible wine. So if I think that muddied my view of air marshals a little bit because in my, in my head, yeah. I somehow think that pilots are pissed. 
I'm yes. sure they're not. Yeah, well, Denzel Washington was that time. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. a good, we should do that. <laughs> and Sully, do that with Sully. I did think about that pairing. Yeah, yeah. boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pilots and surgeons always pissed. That's exactly what I think. And that's a fact. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, can I see your hands before you uh, do any of this stuff? <laughs> not the first time you've asked that. Um, so Bill touches a photo of his kid, so there's something going on there. He, he has a fag. Um, he speaks to Tom Bowen, uh, played by Scoot McNary, yeah. uh, who asks where he's going and says he's headed to Amsterdam. That's important for later. Uh, basically, Bill is an air marshal who used to be a cop. And he's suspicious of everyone, which means we're suspicious of everyone. And I really like the scenes of him in the airport and boarding the plane where he's sort of checking people out because it, I don't know, it raises suspicion. I feel like he's, um, he's doing a bit of racial profiling at he's one point. He's definitely doing some racial profiling. I think mm. why you like that scene and also why I like it is that I, because I'm not, I don't know anything, you know, I don't know the, the right words for what directors do. Mm. But it's the same thing we talked about in Southern Comfort and in The Wicker Man where people doing normal things are made to become sinister yes. by dint of lighting, music, direction and the lead character going, this isn't quite right. And so you've got a group of people in an airport doing normal stuff but yep. because Liam Neeson is a mess... And it's his job to be suspicious of people. You are therefore like, that doesn't look quite right, even though they're not doing anything yes. wrong. It's a Muslim man who's a bit afraid of flying, getting on a plane. Yeah, and a but, bit afraid of being racially profiled, yes, which is yes. what happens all the time. Yeah. And we're, we're suddenly judging him. But yeah. It works well because there are red herrings everywhere in this film. And I was really happy I couldn't remember who'd done it because I did change my mind a lot yeah. while watching it. So it worked. <laughs> um, but he seems like a guy on the edge as well. Um, there's a little girl called Becca who's afraid to get on the plane, but uh, Bill um, gives her the Paddington bear she dropped, though she says it's called Henry. I mean, it's, it's obviously Paddington She's bear. She's a fucking idiot. She's an idiot. Oh, you've dropped Henry. It's, it's literally Paddington bear. No one calls <laughs> He has a name. <laughs> um, uh, but that's his sort of save the cat moment, isn't it? Yes. Does a nice thing for a kid. Yeah. Um, and when he gets on the plane, we meet Jen, played by Julianne Moore. Uh, she boards the plane and switches seats to be next to the window. Or maybe she switches seats to be next to Bill. Maybe. Um, and I did keep coming back to thinking um, Jen was the villain. And it's disappointing. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, she's a bit kind of head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of like presence. Because freaking, you know, I'd forgotten that Julianne Moore is in this. And you want like both these films as well. have got brilliant supporting casts. They do. Yeah. But nonstop nudges it because of Julianne Moore because she's incredible. And you want to like sound the alarm, like Julianne Moore's in this film, watch out, it's going to be amazing. And yeah, it's just a bit of a shame that, you know, the way it pans out, she isn't, her character isn't much of anything. But no. while she's doing her thing. Yeah, and the fact that they've cast her makes you think, well, oh, she yeah. could be the villain. And then they do, I think, give you a couple of clues as to why she could be the villain. Yes. But we'll get to them. And now we're into section two. Uh, which I'm calling takeoff. So the plane takes off. Great. Uh, and we see that Bill is terrified of flying. <laughs> what is he doing in this job? He's pissed and he's terrified. But also, how fucking desperate are the air marshal service? They're like, you're an alcoholic. Yeah. Do you like flying? No. You are it. What? <laughs> Here's a gun. Yeah. Brilliant. Don't do anything stupid. <laughs> and so to help him through uh, takeoff, he grips tightly to his daughter's ribbon. Are you scared of flying? No. I'm scared to take off. Like it's very 
I find that I find takeoff really, really disturbing. I find as I get older, I'm getting less comfortable with it. Yeah, it's it, funny. Isn't I don't it? know. I don't know if that's a thing that's happening with age, but as not... you nearer, near, nearer to death, you realise it's a real thing. Yeah, maybe that's it. Uh, but no, I'm not frying to flag. I no. love it. Do you really? It's the. It it's means, just... Well, I, I like it when I'm going on the outward journey. Yeah, you I absolutely love it. You don't like coming home. No holidays. Finished. It means I can watch some films. That's true. God, I haven't flown on. A, I haven't been on a plane for ages, but I haven't been on a plane where they gave you a gin and tonic for a very long time. Mm. Um, you know, a proper plane where you don't yep. have to pay like fifteen thousand yeah. pounds for a small packet of Walker's crisps or whatever. Uh, but those were the days. Just it's just so just well. Doesn't Julianne Moore say it in this? Like no one can get to you. No one can bother you. No phone. No nothing. Just, and also mm. free gin. She doesn't say that, <laughs> but that is obviously a yeah. huge idea bonus it is a very precious space if you're not fucking terrified of it have you had a frightening flight then I've no I never no. have no I know people that have lived through that and you know it's awful for them but I've never come anywhere near it mm. yeah I've had some bad turbulence once that does put you off for a while but yeah Mark's got, always got this story about the, he flew to Croatia just after the war had ended and so the flights were a bit let's say out of practice and he said that was a you know they circled the airport like dozens of times because he just couldn't this pilot just couldn't get it down and they thought that was it kind of thing I once nearly got arrested I just remembered yeah coming off a plane great Um, coming back from Russia of all places yeah I'd been on a work trip to visit a film set and I came back and I was on my own. Like they put me in, I think there was no one in first class or club. It was an empty plane, really. And I, so I sat in one, one of the high classes on my own. Right. And then as soon as they opened the door, right, brilliant, I'm out of here. I dashed out and they hadn't closed the door at, at, at Heathrow to departures. And so I walked out and I ended up in departures rather than arrivals. Mm-hmm. And that is very, very illegal. Why? Oh, because you don't have to declare your papers. No, I could have come in. I could have brought anything in. Right, okay. And so I'm trying to just get out of the airport. And then it, I, I, so I asked someone and then they got someone else involved. And then uh, like they took my passport off me and then they called the police. And I'm saying, <laughs> look, you can on. see I just walked off that plane. Look, you've got cameras everywhere. And the guy the guy who I think had made the mistake goes away and comes back and goes, oh, yeah, the camera at that bit isn't working. Right, okay. So the, Which is making us very suspicious of you. Well, I'm not controlling the <laughs> camera. You put the camera out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, can I have my passport back? And they said, no, not until the police get here. And wow. then the police arrived and the police completely believed me and yeah. realised that those guys had messed up. So, But for a little while, it was looking very dodgy. little bit Tom Hanks. I was either going to prison or I was heading back to Russia. <laughs> <laughs> or a little bit Tom Hanks. I've never seen that film. No, We're boring. not doing that one either, no, ever. No, okay. Um, so uh, Bill tapes the smoke alarm in the toilet and has a ciggy in the bog. I've always wondered... If I used to like a cigarette, I still would like one, uh, but I'm not doing that anymore. But I just, I can't imagine being that desperate that I would, and also it wouldn't work. The air has to go somewhere. Mm. So I like, I, the only reason I like it in this film is that it's, it's got a really important callback later. But as a character moment, it just took me out of it. Cause it's like, it feels so unrealistic mm. that you'd get away with that these do you, days. Do you remember smoky planes though? I do. What um, a strange thing that just was. Just about, and smoking on buses. I used to smoke on buses at the oh, top, Jesus. at the back. I know, it's filthy, isn't it? Disgusting. Um, <laughs> He receives a message on his beeper from a passenger and it says, are you ready to do your duty, Marshal? Uh, this person knows he smoked, so we know the messenger is on the plane. And this person, even though they sound like they might be in a bit of a rush, always uses full stops. Did you notice? <laughs> good. I like good grammar. Yeah, I knew you'd like it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, who's got the time? 
Um, he, they reveal that in 20 minutes they will kill someone on the plane unless they receive $150 million. So we've got a very effective ticking clock. Literally, he puts, the, he puts it into his watch, <laughs> the 20 minutes. Brilliant. Um, he tells the other Air Marshal, Hammond, um, who isn't convinced, and he seems shady yeah. as well. We're not, we're not sure about him. Um, he tries to identify the person uh, using the phone using Jen's help and live footage of the cabins. They ring, they ring people on a screen, which is something you like, Vicky, <laughs> writing on everyday objects. This has come yeah. up before, hasn't it? Who's got a pen? No one! <laughs> <laughs> so they're circling screens. Um, there's lots of, lots of texting happening, yeah. which isn't ideal for an action movie, but I think they get away I with mean, it. I mean, I flip-flop, to be honest. When it first starts, because you're, you're adrenaline, you're watching an action film, you're watching a Liam Neeson film, your adrenaline, your expectation mm. is really high. And you're like, oh, it's a texting film. But once you get into it, it's fine. You almost want him to be in in Liam Neeson's ear, don't you? Speaking yes. to him. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, it's speed. That, that's you know, speed. He talks to him on the phone. Like a lot of this yeah. is actually quite similar to speed. Yeah, what they're yeah. doing and, and how it plays out. But yes, this person asks if Bill is willing to do whatever it takes. Then they ask, "How's your daughter?" They know her name, but they appear not to know that the daughter is dead. Yes, that's which a good I point. think puts Jen in the frame because he's just told mentioned his daughter to Jen, yes. but not mentioned that she's dead to Jen. But we don't know that either. No. as well. so, so I, I think it's good. Yeah. Um. It, it does. Uh, well, later on, it. I mean, it, it, when when we find out that she's dead, it then casts suspicion on Jen. Yes. Also, so they don't know his daughter's dead. No. Nope. If they've meticulously planned this, I feel like they would know his daughter's yeah. dead if they're going to bring it up because it's not a secret. No. Okay. So, uh, a man believes it's Hammond. Um, and they have a fight in a bathroom. Of course they do. Uh, so it's Anson Mount who plays uh, Hammond, who is the captain in one of the new Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery, maybe. Very oh, handsome, square-jawed, yeah. uh, great actor. Also quite a big man. Oh, yeah. Liam Neeson is a bigger man. Mm. Them having a fight in a toilet. Mm. I mean, I don't think that matches the specifications of a real toilet on a plane. <laughs> if you're being completely honest. I, 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 and I do know that later on in the cabin, they said this is not the size of a cabin. We just couldn't <laughs> have a fight with Liam Neeson in a normal sized cabin. No. So, so um, but they did, uh, when they were writing the script, they did consult with TSA and air marshals. And the fight choreography apparently uses the techniques that air marshals learn. Oh, okay. Um, but um, fun fact, that bathroom they built is made of foam. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they're smashing each other into it. It's fun it's great thing. fun. <laughs> I know we say this a lot, this, but what a job that is. What, you, what did you do today, dear? I built a foam toilet so that Liam Neeson could win a fight. <laughs> I watched the behind the scenes interviews for both these films because I did buy them. I told you I bought them both on DVD. I know, Chris. Because it was cheap. Why don't you let me know when you don't buy something on a DVD? It's 99p, whereas renting it was three quid. It's scandalous, isn't it? Um, and he was saying, they they were they asked him, why did you keep making... They didn't say, why did you keep why making the same film over and over again? Why do you doing this? Why do you keep coming back to action these days? And he said, because it's such good fun, it re- he said, I really enjoy coming into work yeah. and play fighting with baddies. Like it's, sure. and he said, I'm ke- trying to keep myself in shape. I really enjoy it. But then he added, also, they pay me quite well. I bet they do. I yeah. think that might be. I think you you buried the lead there, Liam. Yeah. <laughs> they paid me $15 million. But this, he occupies such a brilliant space. For an actor, if you were an actor, you'd be, you know, you'd be, thank your lucky stars that you could do this, that you can churn out, really, being honest, these action thrillers, get paid an absolute ton of money. But everybody still regards you as a very serious actor. 
And you can still do that very serious acting. He doesn't know much. I really no. miss the days of Oscar Schindler, Michael Collins, Kinsey. It's like this guy was, you know, following in the footsteps of the of Anthony Hopkins and Robert yeah. De Niro and all those people. And I do think it's a shame that I felt like this was just going to be a short Sojourn, stop yeah, yeah. For, for, for two or three years and then you get back to the serious stuff and as I say I think I don't think they're getting better the action films so I feel uh, no I agree with that yeah I, I, I mean there's two or three have come out in the last month I think he did a thing with Leslie Manville um, uh, a mm. relationship a cancer drama yes, I think it's yes. called This Ordinary Love and Ordinary yeah. Love did you watch that? I haven't seen it no. but I've heard he's you no. know they're both phenomenal in it uh, so that's a, but it's, this is a very that's a very low budget kind Fair of thing. Fair enough. I mean, he can do what he likes. Exactly, do what he wants. But I've just I, I've stopped watching them, and yeah. that makes me sad. But that's my problem. Anyway, he breaks his neck. Oh yeah, he breaks his neck. But he has to, Chris. He, he has, has to. to. He, he doesn't no want choice. to, but he has to. He had no choice. Um, and that's uh, twenty minutes up. First person dead. This is the thing. This is why this film is awesome and also daft, which is my a good combo for me. The twenty minute thing has happened, and he's like, you know, how can I make this stop? Stop killing people, Liam. You, if you stop it, it will stop. <laughs> Just sit down, have one of those many drinks I've been speaking of. Liam, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, stop killing people. <laughs> but yeah, that is twenty minutes in, and we are just over twenty minutes, and I'm going to take a break. Oh, good for you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanicure. Manny 20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. So uh, Bill receives a message 
saying, sorry, you had to do that. Reset your watch. <laughs> Love it. Uh, the authorities on the ground discover that the money is supposed to go into an account number in Bill's name. Yes, this is the biggest missed opportunity of the film. Mm-hmm. I've thought about this ever since I saw it for the first time. Is there a way of making us, or mm-hmm. a, maybe it's already in there and I just didn't read it like that, making us believe that actually, what's his name? Bill. Bill. Brian. Liam Neeson is actually behind the whole thing and it's an elaborate, it's either he's, uh, God, you could do it a million ways. These are all shit, but like he's got a split personality. He doesn't know what the other side of him is doing. He has mm. set it all up and he needs to appear to be innocent in order to insert plot point here. Yep. There's no way that we think he's doing it, but everybody else thinks he is. And it would be so awesome if there was just one way that we could be like, this guy's doing it kind of thing. Well, you could add in the fact that he's having money problems. His son's got to go to college. He's got to pay that soon. And he lost some money in the subprime market. Yeah. And And then how do you explain the text? You, You know, he's clearly not messaging himself. All you'd need is someone to go, oh, it's like a tweet deck or something. You know, you can schedule messages and then yep. we've got, oh, maybe he is doing it. And yep. it's such a shame that they don't do it. No, agreed. That's my change. Oh, is it really? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm just nicking it. Uh, so because of this, uh, the pilot takes his badge and his gun. Uh, using his phone, he sees that Hammond was being similarly manipulated. I thought this was a bit messy here, though. Yeah. I didn't think it was very clear what was happening with Hammond. I think it's, if you're an FBI, Hammond's an FBI agent, isn't he? And then he gets... No, he's the, an air marshal. Oh, is he an air marshal? Yeah, there's two oh, air marshals okay. on the plane. He's sort of his partner, air marshal. Okay, I just he Hammond gets a message that's like, do this thing, and rather than calling it in, he's like, you're playing with the wrong guy, buddy, or something like that. And there doesn't seem to be any chain of command, mm. as in, I need to report this to my superiors. I'll just get on the plane and keep doing my thing. Oh, but then he is dodgy, so well, yeah, he grabs his bag, Hammond's bag. He grabs Hammond's gun, and he finds a briefcase full of drugs that Hammond is carrying up. Well, this is the thing: does anthrax also look like cocaine? Because he opens up a briefcase full of white powder just starts munching away on it, could be anything, I think. I don't know, I've never seen anthrax, but in films people go, well, this is obviously coke, is it? Are you sure? Because there's no context. When you bust a drug deal, yes, it's obviously coke, but it's a briefcase full of powder. It could be anything. Don't eat it. (laughs) This is what I think. I wouldn't, and I would do anything. Slaughter it. (laughs) Just leave it alone. What does it matter what it is? No, that's a, that's a fair point. Um, but Bill now addresses the plane and he searches everyone as the camera flies through and around the plane. And I like, you know, yeah. I think Colette Sarah's trying to find interesting ways to shoot something that we've seen a million times before. Yes. Um, and I think he succeeds. He speaks to a doctor on board. Um, he speaks to an NYPD cop. He um, gets aggressive with a guy who was secretly photographing women. Oh, yeah. Odd. Um, (laughs) He realises that Tom Bowen, played by Scoot, um, isn't on a plane to Amsterdam. He's on this plane, so he grabs him. Uh, Tom claims that he was paid to ask Bill where he's going. And I think think he describes the bloke who who told him to do this. Yeah. And who he's describing is himself. Really? Yeah, which I think is quite quite oh, funny. Uh, the cabin loses pressure and he hits the ceiling. Bill awesome does. Moment. Brilliant. Love um, that. He finds the pilot convulsing. Yeah. And the pilot dies. Um, he's speaking to Agent Marinick on the ground through these scenes, voiced by Shay Wiggum. Great actor. Yeah. Get him on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, but eventually he stops uh, speaking to him because they now believe he's hijacking the plane and they won't negotiate with a terrorist. Um, 
Jen. Jen's talking to a programmer, a phone programmer. Very handy. Is that a thing? I don't Yeah, I guess it is I mean, thing. this is the trouble. Your memory is like, it was 2014, maybe. <laughs> don't know. Programmed phones. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, flying to London to have a meeting <laughs> about programming phones. You're like, that sounds about right. <laughs> and so he has an idea. They, they're going to send an intrusion virus uh, to ring the phone of the villain. Um, they close the business cabin so everyone has to go to the back of the plane and there's pandemonium <laughs> to calm everyone down. What does Bill do? What does Bill do, Vicky? This is the best it's amazing. Guys, free travel. For, for how long? Oh, was it a year? For a year. Where? Free international travel for a year. That's the best thing. It's a bad moment in the script, being honest, because... Brian, Ma- William, Ma- Michael, Liam Neeson is figuring stuff out and he needs just a bit of calm. And he's like, free travel for a year anywhere in the world. And everyone's like, well, that's a fucking great deal. So I will sit back down. It's rubbish because it obviously it's patently untrue. It's not within his gift, I assume, to give everyone free travel. But it doesn't serve the character and it doesn't serve the story. He could have said free ice cream, free fucking hot lava pouring from my eyes. <laughs> He could have said anything, but he doesn't. He says free travel. And if it was a character thing, oh, you can't do this. Free all the booze in my bag right now. <laughs> Whatever. I'm thinking on the spot. Yeah. Or a free something that advances the story. A free phone. Have this. Whatever. But free travel doesn't mean anything. It's just an annoying way to get people to sit back down. So it's a wasted line, I think. It took me out of the movie as well, because then I'm thinking... Is that what does that mean? Is I that possible? Where would I go? Do How you know often what? do you travel? Would you use the it? The first time I ever went on a plane, I was 17, so I was quite late to it. And we we went on a big family thing to New York City. And on the way back, the plane was full. This is such a long time. I don't know if still, this still happens. They, they oversell the tickets. Um, and they went down the line saying if anyone would take the next plane, you would get a free voucher to a huge value because they were so fucked Like, because not, not everyone could get on the plane. That's very common in America. Yeah. Yeah, because they overbook flights and so people... I don't know why. We didn't take it. We weren't in a rush. I don't know why we didn't do it, but mm. we didn't. But I remember thinking, this is a this is a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> but if you're in the headspace of getting home and you're at the airport all packed, you sometimes you just want to go. You just want to go home. Yeah. Um, so where are we at? Free ice cream. Free ice cream. <laughs> um, he sends the message and a phone goes off and it's a random white dude um, who clearly isn't a baddie, but uh, Bill thinks he is. So he knocks him about a bit. Yeah. Uh, and that guy then convulses and dies. So uh, Brian Michael William has killed him. Yep. Again, he's killed another person. Well, he hasn't, but it looks like he's killed him. Which is why it'd be so cool if we thought that he had. Yeah. Because it looks like he has. Yeah, yeah. What's the point? But it's another 20 minutes and another one has bitten the dust. Um, The convulsing, though, also, it's and, and sort of their, their, um, there's foam coming from their mouth. It is making me think of eating the fish in airplane and making the people <laughs> die in that. And so I am getting, which I shouldn't be at this point, I'm thinking about Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Um. Which also makes me think. I think if they, they should cast Leslie Nielsen in a in a spoof like they did. Les, sorry, Liam Neeson in a Leslie Nielsen role. Yes, I think that would be really good because get onto his agent. Liam Neeson yeah. was the Leslie Nielsen was they're, just, they're too similar. It's too similar. Leslie he, Nielsen was the straight man. Call in him the Brian. Old days. Brian. Okay, it's a bad idea. So um, 
Bill then finds a hole in the toilet compartment and evidence that a blow dart has been used. Uh, now all the plane is watching Bill on the news where, as we said, they're claiming he might be IRA, which he was in Michael Collins. Uh, there's a bomb in the cocaine. Brilliant. Or anthrax, whichever. Uh, the passengers attack. Um, they There's a fight around the plane. This is, as I say, where they had to make it bigger than a plane would be because having five people fight Liam Neeson in that I space. Don't, I want to think that Liam Neeson is invincible, but they are they're four isn't there like four guys and they are younger than him and they're bigger than him. And I don't fight, but I assume your stamina and strength are important factors mm-hmm. in whether or not you win this fight. And I know he was a cop and all the rest of it, but one of the other people is literally a cop that he's fighting. <laughs> yeah. I just uh, the, What's good about the commuter, which we'll get onto, is he does the same Liam Neeson thing where I'll fight anyone and he gets the shit kicked out of him, which is much more realistic. But it's fine in this, but it's just like, wow, Liam Neeson will fight anyone. Yeah kind of thing. Agreed. So uh, his gun drops and Tom grabs the gun and he wants answers so he lets Bill speak and then Bill does a big speech. I've lost my family, my job and I'm an alcoholic. And everyone apparently loves that. Yeah. If someone is just a little bit honest, they're like, well, we'll do anything. He's turned it round. We learn about the uh, least resistant bomb location protocol. But this, I love stuff like that. Yeah. Because is it true? Who knows? It sounds true. And then every single time you get on a plane now, you'll think, least resistant bomb protocol. You just will. I love it when you learn something, even if the film is a bit shit. If you learn something, brilliant. So the least resistant bomb location protocol is uh, when you find a bomb on a plane, stick it against the door at the back and put some pillows on it. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Who's got a pillow? Everyone. You get a pillow when you sit down. Those pillows aren't very big. They are thin. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So you've got to descend to 8,000 feet. The pressure will equalise and you've got a chance of surviving. The trouble is everyone's competing then because when you get on a plane at the moment, you're like, oh, in a live, if you sit at the back and the plane splits in two, you might live. So there's always a fight for the back seats. Now, with the back seats, if someone's going to put a bomb on your lap, difficult. Where Where are you going to sit now from now on? In the middle, I suppose. In the middle. But that's more money these days. You know that. If you <laughs> in the flights I get. <laughs> so he, Bill says he was never supposed to find the bomb. Uh, he doesn't think he ever intended. They were ever intended to get off the plane. I don't really know what he's talking about here. No. But I'm also wondering what the villains are waiting for. Yeah. You know, our chief villain, who spoiler alert is Tom, um, played by Scoop. Um, he knows the plan is to blow up the plane with himself on it. So just blow up the plane at this point. Yeah. I don't know what he's waiting for. But uh, Bill finds out it's Tom because he's watching a video that a passenger took and he sees Tom planting the phone in random white bloke's blazer. Correct. So it's Tom. Then Zach, our phone programmer, grabs a gun and shoots a cop. Yeah. It's Zach. And Tom. And Tom. Yeah. Tom and Zach. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're going to jump. Uh, they've got parachutes, but... Tom makes a speech and this is where it gets slightly convoluted because he wants to explain his reason for doing this. Um, 9-11, 3,000 people died that day, including his father. Tom then went and fought in the war on terror, a war he didn't understand. He came home to a country where nothing had changed. So he's doing this to make a statement and the statement is security is shit. Mm -hmm. And so that's why he's blowing up the play. Yeah. Uh, Bill's response, you should have just handed out pamphlets. Yes. <laughs> I <correct>. like that <laughs> line. Yeah. Uh, Zach's doing this apparently because he's sworn to protect his country. 
Um, and, and take loads of money. And for $150 million. <laughs> yes, he, he does add that. Um, <laughs> Zach thinks he's getting off the plane. But Tom says, Zach, you and I both know we were never getting off. So they've got to disarm the bomb. Um, Zach goes for the phone. Tom shoots him as a martyr. Um, and then, I don't know, there's just a lot of exposition happening here, which was sort of making my head spin because it was everyone was shouting at each other and I just didn't, I didn't care. No, you just tune out. Just get to just get to the conclusion, which is the final section, the landing. So the plane dives, a bullet smashes through a window, the cabin pressure drops, it's chaos. The pilot has a line here that I very much enjoyed. Is this when he says come on you wanker yes it makes me roar because that he's a brilliant actor he's not from the, the he's not from the UK he is not um, and he does his, his accent have we been watching something else with someone well there's a lot of different actors doing different accents in both the non-stop and the commuter and his accent is really wobbly. So at first he does like a very straight RP and then it's a bit sort of cockney and a bit. And in the next, oh, is it is it this film? Yeah, it is. Lupita Nyong'o's there. She's like, she's done a weird cockney thing. Yeah. But I suppose when people are writing British characters, if you're British, English, whatever, if you were landing a plane that was going to crash, you would not say, come on, you wanker. Because you wanker is for jovial situations. Mm-hmm. It's not for life or death. But I suppose... You, people, it, people don't get the nuance of it. It just—it's it, hilarious, but it really took me out of it. Whether or not he was British, he wouldn't—you wouldn't say, "Come on, you wanker." No, and he, and he, and he said it. He said it badly. <laughs> uh, so this is the moment that the whole film was building towards, <laughs> in my opinion. No, the gun flies. Bill catches the gun in midair and shoots Tom dead while diving backwards, <laughs> and it looks. Amazing. Yeah, it does. And I wrote all this without even looking at the poster because I only look at the posters when I've got to tweet them out. And the poster is that shot. Well, if you know him, you've got something good. It's him diving backwards, <laughs> firing the gun and the plane. It's not a pl- It's not the plane. It's that shot. Perfect. Uh, Zach isn't dead. So um, Bill then fights Zach. Zach has a knife. Is this when he Bill... fights him with string? <laughs> yes. He uses the oxygen mask That's the to imagine. fight a man with a knife. He is so hard. He's yeah. like, well, I've got a piece of string, buddy. So yeah. you want to watch out. He nails it as well yeah Uh, to be fair i've written boom because the bomb explodes the plane (laughs) rips apart the engine's fading the pilot lands stuff flies out but bill saves the little girl yes becca um and we see Marinek, the Shay Wiggum character, finally, who, who thanks Bill and, and says he has his full support. Apart from he says, this is my favourite moment. You have my full support. This phone call never happened. <laughs> it's like, do I have your full support or not? Because this phone call, bit of the support, might be quite important in a court situation. It never happened. Uh, Marinek mentions the money and Bill says, what money? Yeah. The cheeky scam. Cheeky. Classic Bill. <laughs> Um, and it ends with Bill maybe going off to Shag Jen. Which is bad. It's unearned, doesn't work, yeah. don't like it. No. It could have worked. There's nothing wrong with the performances. It's just there's nothing there. Mm. You need to do a little, they need to spend a bit more time together. Oh, I'd forgotten. She'd also had the heart operation. Yes. Which meant that she every day she thought could be her last, which I thought was also setting up to potentially be someone who yeah. wanted to bring down a plane for yeah. some reason. Anyway. Anyway, I mean, that's literally it. On June the 11th, 2014, Entertainment Weekly reported in an interview with Joel Silver that we could get a sequel to oh, Nonstop. Oh, lovely. Um, I mean, I'd go and see it, though. That's the thing. I just because I know what I'm going to get. It's Again, I know we're being like slightly more serious for a second. Those mid-budget, mid, mid-level in terms of the, with no disrespect, the director and the casting, sort of workhorse Friday night cinema releases 
are few and far between. So I would very much welcome non-stop again, or whatever it's going to be called. Interesting. So did you watch Cold Pursuit? No. Uh, that was the Liam Neeson action film that came after The Commuter. Did you watch Honest Thief? No. Did you watch The Marksman? Yeah, I might have done. I don't know. No, I didn't. <laughs> Did you watch The Ice Road? Listen, listen, Chris. You don't. You said you would, but no one's watching them anymore. No, but the, it's hard for me to get to the cinema, Chris. Fine. Fine. Um, here's what Joel Silver said. Uh, I need to think of a way to put them in an equal situation. This is why it wouldn't be on a plane. Uh, but when I make a sequel, I like to replicate the experience, not replicate the movie. I'm not going to put them on a plane again, of course. He has a touch of Sherlock Holmes and then he has to figure out what's going on and then he has to figure out how to solve it. I think that character is a great character and will try to figure something else to do. I haven't thought about it yet, but I have to sooner or later. Uh, that was eight years ago. I mean, you don't have to. Joel. You don't. You don't. You don't, but it did make a Basically, lot of money. on the premise of Vicky Crompton might go and see it and probably <laughs> won't, I don't think you should bother, to be honest. But it made, a lot of stuff. Mo- it made a lot of money, let yeah, me it tell did. you. It cost, oh, this is weird on Wikipedia, 28 to 50 million it cost. That's, That's a broad bracket. quite different. <laughs> uh, but it made 222 million. This is unreal, isn't it? I mean, Huge, huge and I, hit. I don't know, people... Obviously, people involved in the film are going to talk in, in sort of more glowing terms about the character. To me, this man is a nothing. Like, Brian Mills is I, a nothing. I agree. But I don't get, I don't think anyone in either of these movies has crafted a nuanced, so engaging, yet mysterious kind of like, I don't need to see what, what's he called? Bill Marks does next. It feels but like I like the, the action and I like, I like it when you've got a contained setting and you have to write your way out of the... They all feel like variations on John McClane. Yes. And John McClane was the ultimate because they, John McClane did have nuance. Yeah. Well, certainly in the first film. I think they lost it as the as the films progressed. Yeah. But yeah, just, yeah. You're he, right. He, you know, I sort of, he's a bit over this shit, a bit too old for this yeah, kind of thing. He's got he family troubles. Yeah, like, his yeah. wife's left him, blah, 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 blah. He ain't Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's do the bits and pieces. So, favourite scene? Uh, when Liam Neeson flies backwards. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've mentioned it. And he gets a gun and then he shoots the baddie through the head and it's all that like, in slow motion. There's another bit, which is stupid to sort of zero in on, but I don't care. When all the plane stuff is going bananas and then there's a sudden cut to black. Cool. Good decision. Good thing to do. Like, mm. just just to uh, create the sort of disorientation you would feel and that you feel like you've passed out and then you come back too and it's still happening. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, slow motion dive and shoot for me yeah, as course. well. Uh, most valuable, whatever. Oh, obviously with huge love to Liam, but Julianne Moore, she's um, she's amazing. She's good in everything. So yes, her. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> I, just, so, uh, I think the director, uh, Joam, is what they call him, by the way, in okay. the interviews. Um, I think Joam did a fantastic job, but I'm going to go with Liam Neeson because otherwise, what is this film? Sure. It ain't nothing. <laughs> it's. I mean, he's doing what he does, but it's the reason the film works. Uh, and if you could change anything, what would you change? All right, so don't fridge the daughter. I think it's too much. Um, so I think he just seems, it's too sad. He's And he's got nothing to be doing anything for. So I think a way around it is he, he's got the ribbon and he makes out like his daughter, it's a bit dark, but he makes out like his daughter has passed away. But in reality, they're estranged because he was married to the job and he had no time for his family and she's grown up and she's done with her dad and she doesn't want to talk to him anymore. And so at the key point in the narrative, they get the daughter on the phone 
either because she forgives him because of the heroic thing he just did or to use his leverage when they think he's a terrorist. But I think when he's like, I'm just so sad. I have nothing. My daughter died Mm -hmm. and I've got this ribbon and I've got a drinking problem. It's like, oh, when your moment of triumph feels really empty for me because there's nothing to go, yeah, you did it and everything's going to be all right. It's Mm -hmm. just they try and make it better by going, oh, he might go on a date with Julianne Moore, but that's not enough. It's just so sad. So, no. I agree. I agree. Uh, my change is if if a plane is going down and there is a briefcase full of cocaine, oh, someone yeah. really needs to do that cocaine. Yeah. Uh, or it needs to fly everywhere. Everyone and land needs to do on everyone. Everyone needs to do that cocaine. <laughs> everyone can do it. That's the thing. Poof. What and a then great it... what a great finale. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's just getting off talking constantly the plane, yeah. the plane is going low but we're getting yeah. high can you hear that music gosh someone put some music on amazing was that brilliant that was so good let's do it again best crash ever <laughs> uh, and that's your lot for non-stop oh well done um, no quiz this week as it would be a bit weird if I just fired questions at you Vicky but let's say a point to me a uh, point to you yeah for turning up to be honest <laughs> one to me yay do you really want a point um, oh God, I do. Well, the answer is yes, but I don't want the aggro. <laughs> so so I'm, I'll say no. Really? Because I am going, I could fire one question at you. <laughs> this is such a risky strategy because if I get it wrong, I can't blame anyone or anything else. Um, uh, I'm going to do one. Oh, All right. Then. If you get this, you get a point. <laughs> Don't tell Alex. He'll never listen. He's not going to listen. All right. You know, when I was doing those titles combined. Yeah, yeah. And Alex said you should have called it Crash of the Titles. Yes. Although probably Clash of them. Anyway, it's called Crash of the Titles. So I'm doing one of those. Okay. So you're getting the first one that was going to be this week. Okay. In the late 1960s, a bunch of muscly men drive their souped up cars around Northern Ireland's capital. (laughs) Oh, I mean, excuse you said the 60s. I was going to say the... The Belfast and the Furious. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Belfast is in the 60s. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Point to Vicky. Oh, thank you so much. Belfast and Furious. Belfast and Furious is brilliant. I want to see it. <laughs> um, right, next week's films. Alex's choices. We're doing it without him. Yeah. We haven't even asked him. No, I've got... Uh, t- how does this sound? Go on. Night of the Loving Dead. Oh, it's nice. Does yeah. that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Night of the Loving Dead is your clue for next week's films. Um, drop us a tweet at ClashPod. And that's that for today. Uh, so thanks so much for listening. And we will be back on Thursday with The Commuter. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.